to New World next week. I'm James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. And I'm James Evan Pilato for MediaMonarchy.com. I'm not going to enforce that. We've got that story, plus I will never agree to something that's illegal, but first, due to a medical issue impacting the military judge's ability to work, the rest of the session is canceled. James, as we kind of sit here on the edge of another intelligence agency coup, which I hope folks out there will check out Corbett's new interview with Daniel McAdams on the Venezuelan PSYOP that makes the MAGAs and the NPCs happy, by the way. Our first story on this New World Next Week, episode 365, takes a look at how they're still lawyering around one of the last big intelligence ops. A strange little mundane story, James. I saw this late last night, and I really assumed it was just a a classic from from back in the archives. 9-11 judge rushed from Guantanamo in medical emergency. This is hot off the presses. Military tribunal hearings against Khalid Sheikh Mohammed and four other alleged 9-11 conspirators have been stalled after the judge was flown out for emergency eye surgery. 7 p.m. Tuesday evening, Judge Perella, P-A-R-R-E-L-L-A, summoned defense and prosecution lawyers and informed them he was being flown out of the U.S. military base in southeast Cuba back to the mainland for urgent medical treatment. Judge flown out Wednesday after his wife, Jennifer, tweeted overnight to accuse the military's medical insurance provider for a delay which she said had threatened her husband's sight in one eye. Kevin Dwyer, spokesman for the Defense Health Agency, said that at no time did the insurance company refuse to evacuate the patient. The Office of Military Commissions issued a brief statement that read, due to a medical issue impacting the military judge's ability to work, the rest of the session is canceled. Perella was just made judge in the 9-11 case last August 2018, taking control of a case that has been dogged by false starts, procedural delays, and controversy over the military commissions themselves. The defendants, if you didn't know, are accused of having orchestrated the attacks on the World Trade Center and the Pentagon, killing nearly 3,000 people, first charged back in 2008. But the case is still in its preliminary phase, 11 years in, with a trial not even expected to start before 2020 at the earliest. Much of the contention is testimony from the defendants obtained after long periods of torture in CIA black sites before they were flown to Guantanamo. Perella's fitness to try the case is being challenged in federal court by defense lawyers for failing to disclose disclose rather the extent of prior relationships with members of the prosecution team james the guardian doesn't give a whole heck of a lot of context to this story but it's just one little interesting nugget of a story that again is nearly 18 years old james yeah well i'm not sure exactly how pertinent uh, the judge's eye injuries are to the you know the real <laughs> how to solve 911 and who was really behind it um, but uh, perhaps more to the point was what was mentioned there is the prosec- uh, the defendants trying to get the judge recused because of his ties. Uh, I think more information on that would be useful, so I'll throw in a link to Al Jazeera. Defense lawyers in 9-11 case seek dismissal of new judge from a few months ago, where they noted that lawyers for two other defendants joined the motion for the judge's recusal, with one arguing Perella revealed implicit bias by admitting to shock and anger on 9-11, 
combined with his military service. So if your standards for getting the judge to be recused is the fact that he felt shock and anger on 9-11 and this military tribunal judge is a member of the military, if that's your standards, I don't think you're going to find someone who's going to try this case. But none of this matters. All of this is window dressing on the fundamental fact this is a kangaroo court uh, prosecuting patsies um, based on evidence that, as you say, was uh, extracted through torture at best or is deliberately laid false cookie crumb tales by the intelligence services at worst or more likely. So, again, all of this is just window dressing on the preordained conclusion of this trial that we all know is going to happen whenever, if ever, this trial actually takes place, however many decades in the future that might be, no doubt the kangaroo court is going to pronounce Khalid Sheikh Mohammed the mastermind from A to Z, as he already testified during his uh, torture sessions. So uh, we all we all know where this is going, and no amount of this judge jockeying or any of this other legal chicanery is going to change that preordained conclusion, unless... There is a 9-11 truth breakthrough between now and then. Hold your breath now. It just kind of struck me, James, as you were talking there. Maybe they will shoot for, so to speak, the 20th anniversary. Wouldn't this all go really, really well around 2021? The 20th anniversary of 9-11 will finally get those dastardly guys who allegedly pulled this thing off. Our second story on this New World Next Week is kind of a cluster of stories, James. A couple of them I talked about explicitly this wa- this last week on my morning show that it, I found they kind of went together, even though they're in, in different fields, as it were. Taiwan School Bank Experiment, Money Lessons for Life. So a really interesting thing. The school in Taiwan basically ran an experiment employing the school kids where they could get dollars that they could exchange for goods that the they had a parent teacher meeting when the parents found out they were a little angry i will never agree to something that's illegal at this school in taiwan the parent teacher meeting takes a turn for the worst when a father finds out his kid has been part of a social experiment now this is actually about a whole half hour long documentary from witness al jazeera the entire thing is subtitled. There's not a bit of translation going on over, you know, over the dialogue. So just pretty much leave it for folks to go check out. And again, that kind of power when you see a parent actually get involved and get pissed about what's been going on at the school. Speaking of other things going on that parents might not know about, Facebook ripped off game playing kids and their parents in multi-year what they what Facebook calls friendly fraud. When parents found out about how much their children had spent, one 15-year-old racked up 6500 bucks in charges in two weeks of games on Fedbook. The company denied requests for refunds. In the show notes, you can find the documentation of the messages between Facebook employees going, oh, LOL, I wouldn't refund that. Facebook employees referred to these children as whales, a term borrowed from the casino industry to describe profligate spenders. A child could spend hundreds of dollars a day on in-game features, such as arming their character with a flaming sword or magic spells to defeat the enemy, even if they didn't realize it until the credit card bill arrived. So, James, I had both of those stories that I covered this week on The Morning Monarchy, and you followed up with, I think, kind of the hat trick here that will wrap up this second segment. Facebook pays teens to install VPN that spies on them. Fedbook sidesteps the App Store and rewards teenagers and adults to download the Research app. 
and give it root access to network traffic and what may be a violation of Apple policy so the social network Fedbook can decrypt and analyze all that good phone activity, James. There's a lot to be said about the Facebook stories, but I can imagine most of the audience will already uh, understand where what those stories are about. But that first story is interesting to me, the social experiment on the dollars system that they implemented at that school. I did watch the video. I hope people will go and do so. It is half an hour, but it is interesting. And I think you and I might have very different takes on this because I'm wondering what's so bad about this? You know, I, I honestly, initially, and again, just the... You know, I've got three things going at once and show prep and all those things. It's tough. I can't just listen to it while I work on something else. So I probably missed some parts. I initially kind of thought the school had teamed up literally with a bank and were running an experiment. No, so, no. Well, so, yeah, I, I hope people will watch the video if they want more information on this. That that wasn't at all what was happening. Uh, essentially, the school has the certain chores that the students do, the whatever, taking out the trash or whatever that students contribute to already. And the incentive system that they live in and the communist, you know, public education system is from each according to his abilities to each according to his needs. You have to do it because you have a responsibility and they had points and stickers or whatever for if you did a good job. Um, they came in and said, well, why don't we use this play money that we'll just print up? We'll print up some play money. And if you, if you do a good job, you can earn some play money and then you can use that play money in the school store. And so, yeah, as you say, in one dramatic moment, and I really have to wonder how many of the scenes in this documentary were staged. I know some of them were. For example, when they follow the guy into the principal's office for the first time, for the first time, clearly a staged, recreated scene. That was not the first time this person ever met the principal. They did that for the cameras. So you have to wonder the PTA meetings and stuff. Was that real? Was that staged? Was that recreated? Were they hyping it up? Was this reality show editing, you know? Etc. Etc. But anyway, one of the parents gets angry. He says, "You're doing a social experiment with our kids. This is illegal. I'm going to sue. I'm going to take legal action." And then, of course, they go out and say, "Well, no, actually, it's legal because of this, and it's we're not making them work for anything. It's not an employment contract. It's literally the same as a points or sticker system, except this time it's play money that then they get to exchange at the school store." Um, anyway, all of that being said, the implication is that. The schools aren't already a social experiment. That there's any way to run these schools that isn't a social experiment. Uh, it's just that the social experiment they're currently, the, the normal system, the normal system is just the communist social experiment where money doesn't exist and there's just vague, you know, you have a duty and from each according to his abilities and blah, 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 all this vague nonsense and then thrust them in at the deep end when they get out of school. And now, they're, now you're in this world where you have to work and earn money and do all of this without any understanding of how that works. I actually wish there had been a system like they did at this school, at my school. It would have been a lot more interesting and a lot more edu educational when I was growing up. So I, I really hope people who are interested in this, um, in education and things like this, will take a look at this because personally, I think this is actually a great story and I wish more of the public indoctrination system enslavement camps would do something like this that might actually help prepare people for the real world. There's a million caveats and devils and details and all of that, but just as a vague, like as a concept, I think this is actually a good idea. So if your kid came home from school and said, Dad, I made money today, you'd go, oh, yeah? 
play money? Sure, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, again, yes, actually, because I also, as a new parent, I really am thinking about how do I introduce the concept of money to my children and how do I get them to understand value and working and, and providing services to others and making the community a better place. And part of that is um, shown through the medium of exchange that is money. So how do you introduce that concept and working and earning. I mean, there's a lot of very valuable educational opportunities there on what is essentially what would otherwise be a, hey, you get a gold sticker on this meaningless chart on the wall. <laughs> I mean, it's a much more educational experience, I think, to be working in this way. And there's really, <laughs> there's nothing like that feeling of getting out from your, you know, your main education at 18 and realizing you didn't learn a damn thing about how the world works. Gosh, I wish I knew how to balance a checkbook or change a tire on a car. And we, we all have kind of gone through that. Really interesting story and segment there, James. I appreciate that. So, hell, we, we get now here finally to the maybe actual good news or maybe not unmitigated good news. Our third and final story on this new world next week. I'm not going to enforce that. Sheriffs disobey new anti-gun laws, refuses to disarm citizens. Dateline, Klickitat County, up in Washington State in the Pacific Northwest, in reaction to tragic shootings throughout 2018, Washington State passed and is planning to pass a slew of new anti-gun bills that will make them one of the most regulated states in the country. Take that, Calatopia. These bills are being met by resistance from an unlikely group handful of sheriffs standing up to the unconstitutional nature of the bills and their promising disobedience. Sheriff Bob Songer, one of the sheriffs outspoken about his resistance during an interview with The Guardian, published over the weekend, Songer told the paper that the anti-gun legislation passed last November is, quote, unconstitutional on several grounds. I've taken the position that as an elected official, I'm not going to enforce that law, end quote. Songer also cited ongoing litigation by the NRA, and other lobbies, which aims to demonstrate the laws violate both the Second Amendment and the state's constitution. He also said that if other agencies attempted to seize weapons from county residents under the auspices of the new laws, he would consider preventively standing in their doorway, James. And we come right back to that situation where when you're faced with the cops who have a bunch of weapons, your, your feelings might go out the, the window, James. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm no U.S. constitutional scholar like your last president was, right? Obama was the constitutional <laughs> so. scholar, supposedly. Anyway, I'm no scholar on this, but isn't this how the system is supposed to work, right? All these checks and balances, and one of them is that, you, yeah, you, you have local sheriffs who can choose to not enforce unconstitutional laws, and that should be one of the final checks against unconstitutional grabs for power by the uh, federal government, so it seems, or the state government even. So it seems like this is a good, good system. And I believe you are, we, it pleases the crown, we are allowed to choose our sheriffs in an election. So that's another element. It's, there's a check and balance on Bob Songer. If people don't like this, vote the bum out next time, right? Exactly. So, I mean, look, as people know, I'm not a, 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 in favor of democracy or whatever. I'm an anarchist. But at the very least, this is the way the system was set up with this idea in mind that there may be a time when a government tries to go too far. And how do we prevent that? Well, you have a check. At, you can elect your sheriff and the sheriff can choose to go along or not go along and declare something, uh, declare something, find something to be unconstitutional and not enforce it. That That is how the system is supposed to properly function. So I think this is a good story. We're going to see how this plays out. And, of course, one of the factors in all of this is the public opinion, 
which then can be influenced against this this sheriff. Who does he think he is getting in the way of our gun-grabbing laws? And if they get enough people rallied around and outraged through the MSM, oh my god, this guy's trying to uphold the Constitution? What a what an 18th century clown! Then, then he'll be voted out, and you'll get a sheriff that will g- gladly go along with the gun-grabs. And But, I mean, so again, there's checks upon the checks upon the checks upon the checks, which, again, is kind of the system you do want. It's just that we do need to counteract the uh, the MSM voices, the establishment puppet voices that are going to come out against sheriffs like this one. There's just a really lot of, uh, you know, interesting, maybe volatile things that are all going to kind of come together on the West Coast. I, I lived there for every decade. California, Oregon, and Washington, they all have this weird battle of freedom and the most regulation everywhere. It's going to be really interesting to see what goes down. James, as I like to say at the end of these episodes, I stream news, music, memes, and more Monday through Friday, 9 to 5, Mountain Time at MediaMonarchy.com slash listen. I would love for folks to come and check us out. James. You know, now that I think about it, when those schools that are doing that social experiment with the money, when that goes cashless, then you know it's a psyop. <laughs> when they start going, no, we, we're not going to print these paper dollars. We're going to, now you're going to have a card that you swipe. Yeah. I see where this will go in the future. And yeah, that's definitely bad. <laughs> so we can agree that there are bad elements to this story. Anyway, <laughs> that's another three interesting stories. Thank you for bringing them to our attention. And I hope everyone will go to mediamonarchy.com for your daily podcasts and updates and corporatereport.com for everything else. Talk to you again next week. Thanks so much, buddy. Take care.